Hey everybody, welcome to another episode of the Chase Jarvis Live Show. It's me, Chase, and you guys know this show. This is where I normally sit down with the world's top creators, entrepreneurs, and thought leaders, and today is just a little bit different. That's right. For you folks that don't like change, well, I apologize in advance, but I think we're going to actually like this, so stay with me. And for those of you who might know it's coming, because I have done a couple of these episodes in the past, sometimes I call them micro shows, this one is a, is a slight twist even on a micro show, and that is I'm taking what I think are some of the best answers from the show, The Daily Creative, which is a show on my YouTube channel, slash Chase Jarvis. If you're not subscribed there, I'm not sure what's happening, why you would do that to me. But in this case, uh, it's a show where I take called-in questions from all over the world, from all y'all creators and entrepreneurs, us here in this community, and I try and use uh, the little bit of wisdom that I've, I've captured over a lifetime of doing this stuff, and of course, harvesting all kinds of value, valuable info from uh, previous guests on the show to answer these questions. And in this case, I grabbed a couple of my favorites from some recent and some even not so recent. Put a few few together, and I think this makes an exceptional episode. It's going to be a little bit shorter. Normally, you know, this is like a 60-minute show, 60 to 90-minute. This is going to be a little burst of energy. And the reason why I enjoy this format and these questions is because these are questions that we all have had. And the occupation of the asker, whether it's a designer, a photographer, an entrepreneur, it, it doesn't matter. We are all in this together. There's so many similarities. And you all can do the mapping for yourselves as to how this is, is the most pertinent. But unequivocally, these are questions that come up over and over. I feel like there's only about 100 questions to figuring out how to make a living and a life doing the things that you love. And in some way, shape, or form that's captured, it's been captured in the last 100 episodes. So occasionally I go through and pick a handful, and that's what I've done today, and I, you are going to love it. I know you are. Um, so I'm going to, uh, I guess, just get out of the way. And before I do that, I'm going to just a quick word from our sponsor, Creative Live. This episode of Chase Jarvis Live Show is brought to you by Creative Live. Creative Live is the world's largest and best platform for creative and entrepreneurial education. And right now you're saying, wait a minute, isn't that the company that you started? Yes, it is. It is my company, but they make this show possible. And if you don't know anything about Creative Live, you must check it out. It's where Pulitzer Prize winners, New York Times bestsellers, the best of the best teach photo, video, art design, music and audio, craft and maker, and the ability to make a living and a life in all of those disciplines. There is free content there 24 hours a day, seven days a week, and there's also more than 10,000 hours of content for you to access on demand. You guys know I'm a huge believer in the power of daily habits, and today Creative Live, as a part of the sponsor announcement, wants you to know that they have a new, very powerful way to make education a part of your daily routine. That would be the Creative Live iPhone, iPad, and Apple TV apps. They're all free, and they let you watch all of the Creative Live classes that are on air streaming for free, anything you already own, and on the iPhone and iPad apps, you can watch one daily lesson of your choosing for free. That is one of 25,000 lessons for free, which is super, <laughs> super gnarly. To get those apps, go to the App Store, uh, iTunes, and search Creative Live, or go to creativelive.com slash apps. There you go. Now, let's get into the show. Chase, this is an awesome experiment, and I appreciate you reaching out to all of your viewers and fans to do something like this. 
So my name is Ian. I'm from Baltimore, and I've got a just two-part question. My wife and I are trying to start a photography business together. We have launched a, I guess, wedding photography business. We've booked 15 clients for our first year so far. We're very excited, but we're nervous because we are full-time nurses and are wondering how we can make the change from being nurses to going and starting our own business losing benefits, losing our health insurance, Got it. and having to pay for that out of pocket instead. Got it, Ian, good question. The short version is how do you transition out of one career into another one without giving up all the things you've been accustomed to? First of all, you're gonna have to take some risks. Second of all, the best, the best advice I've ever got from a mentor and someone you know, Richard Branson, told me this, try to mitigate the downside. What could you do such that when you invest as much as you can, you're never, if it goes, if it turns into a shit sandwich, you've still got something to fall back on. So this is one of the things that, that's a, a, a massive um, misunderstanding, how you can both be all in and have a safety net. So being all in is, is throwing all of your passion, your energy, all that stuff. I believe that you can carve enough time out, whether it's four hours or six hours, and whether it's being a nurse, or what I also recommend uh, is um, waiting tables, um, valeting cars, things that are very, very flexible such that you can put, you can rely on that to make money and keep your benefits or whatever and focus as much of the time as you can on, in this case, your photography business. Um, the, the belief that you just have to bet everything, bet the farm, that's totally, that's not, that's, I don't advise that, no entrepreneur, you'll hear that and those just people, are full, they're full of shit. Now, if you have to be very disciplined because if you're trying to spend time in your nursing career, and you're like, oh, I wanna take a vacation next June, so I'm gonna work 40 or 50 hours as a nurse and then save up some money. No, vacations, kill them. They're off the table until you start making money as a photographer. All the energy, I would find out, it, presumably maybe it's hourly as a nurse, I don't know how that works, but what can you do to work as little as possible in this other capacity and still make your, say you have $3,000 a month in overhead, how can you make $3,500 doing that thing so that you have $500 a slush, but basically you're break even so that you can put all the extra time into the thing that you want to build. And in this case, it's as a photographer. I think this is a massively, this is what business school, like this is what they should be teaching is how to transition, how to start something. No one talks about this. And I think it's, uh, it's a shame. This is the best advice I believe you will ever hear on the topic. I have advised thousands of people. I have personally done this myself. You have to have discipline to not get sucked into the thing that's supporting you, but you have to put all of the everything else you have, no vacations, none of that stuff. It's if you actually want it, if you want to be like either the people um, you see on TV or the people who are, you know who are making a living and a life doing what they love. TV, why did I say TV? That's kind of weird, not TV. Um, on YouTube. On YouTube, yeah. The, uh, yeah, it's just it's just a really and and I'll, also I'm gonna put I'm gonna qualify that asterisk. You you want to uh, experience and see like the people that you see on TV see like through their eyes. You don't want to be like them. You want to be like you. So don't get confused there. But the point stands that you have to feather the two things. No one talks about that because it sounds sexy to say you're all in, bro. But you're really not. You're 95% in because to be 100% in and just jump is it can be scary if you actually have kids and mortgages and all that stuff. Just trim down. What can you do to make those costs super low? 
The reality is you, you have to jump though. There is a commitment, so you understand the balance. It's a fine line. I, I don't want to tell you where your line is. That's for you to figure out. All right, Ian. Is that Ian? That was Ian. Ian, thank you for the question. I think it's a popular one. Hope you appreciate the answer. Hi, Chase. It's uh, Fritz, a German photographer currently living in Prague. My question is, like, how to make photography and maybe videography as well a scalable business, you know? Um, I was, I'm already currently working uh, paid by the hour, but on the long term, you know, I want to make um, um, a good business model out of it so I'm not so demanded on filling my work schedule. Okay. So what's your best approach to that? Um, thank you, Fritz. I'm sorry for calling you John before the things start rolling. I flipped the two questions. Uh, Fritz, great question. And that, in case you are wondering what scale means, um, I don't think you should, I think you should know what that means. But um, the challenge with being a photographer, if you were in terms of challenge with doing anything when you work for your time, it's um, then you only have so much time, so the amount of money that you can make is, is basically limited by time. The way you would change that is you would charge a lot more per hour. And that is actually, there's a little fraction of that that is going to be in my answer. But by and large, I see people botch this all the time. Um, and they botch it on both directions. They think that they try and scale before they're ready to scale. And sometimes the best answer is not to scale. Um, but in this particular uh, situation, I just want to talk you out of time, out of trading your time for money. Okay, so whether you truly scale in the like, you take one picture and then you sell it instead of like one time, you sell it a thousand times, which would be like, for example, stock photography. Like, I think that's an example of how you make your work scale. You take a picture and then you sell that same picture, or rather, you license the rights to use that via a stock agent or on your own. Um, by and large, I think that the ability to make real money unless you dedicate your entire life to that focus. I think it's waned. There's, it's a lot of, lot of images in the marketplace. I don't think it's not, not undoable. You can do that. That is technically a way to scale. Again, taking one picture and using computers to market that picture and get a lot of transactions at a low price um, and make some good money. So that's one way. Uh, I think th there's, a, there's a handful of other ways, but I, and I'm going to give you a couple more, and then I'm going to sew it up at the end here, and I'm going to tell you what I actually think. So another way is to um, train people in your methods and um, take a piece of their business as they go off and make yours, and you can help. You can create a community. Um, I think my friend Peter Hurley, he's been on Creative Live uh, a bunch. He's got a, the headshot crew, and you can be a headshot photographer taught by Peter, and then Peter goes out, and then I think you pay a chunk of your money to him, and he helps market your business and whatnot. That's kind of interesting. That's a way you can take what you do, train people in your methods, and then they can contribute to your wealth. Um, and if you can get potentially you know, hundreds or maybe even thousands of people doing that, you can see how that would, be, that would really contribute. So that's another way. What that requires is that you actually do something and own it in a way that's like, oh, wow, that's the fill in the blank method. Um, you see that with like Bikram yoga or um, CrossFit is an affiliate, basically. You use the name, you pay a licensing fee to them, and then you're sort of certified as a fill-in-the-blank. So you can do that in photography. Um, another thing you can do to scale your business in photography is, this is not, this is not true scale, but like by the technical term, or I think of it in technology as, as scaling, but you can 
charge exorbitant fees. You can develop your brand over time such that, hey, there's only so many days, and so in order to access me or to hire me, you have to pay a high fee, and then the, the number of people who are willing to pay that fee get, you know, there, there are fewer and fewer, but if you're booked all the time, then you can just continue to raise your prices. So that's not technically scaling. Um, and then you can also, um, as a photographer, you can build an online community, um, help you know, add value back to others. You can sell digital goods uh, if you've made a brand that people recognize, and then you can make one product and help computers and platforms and other online technologies to sell at scale. For, you know, if you get your SEO juice really up or, or you are on Creative Live, for example, there's a whole team of people who are targeted at marketing your stuff. That is, I'm trying to, that's not, again, technically scaling your photography business, but that's a way, again, to use computers and algorithms and, and whatnot to reach more people than you could reach as what people classically think of as a photographer. That's why I know that that's buried in your question of scaling. So those are a handful of methods, and I, there, are, there is no right answer for this. Those are some things, and there's probably a couple of others. But what I want you to think about, and this is to me the most important thing, this is the takeaway, is whatever you do, you should do with intention. And in, in order to find out what you intend or I intend to you know, build this particular thing, you just don't want to stumble into that accidentally. I watch people do that all the time. They just sort of like bumble around and they end up like, oh, here I am. I guess this is how I make a, make a living because I, I see Larry doing it or Sally doing it or whatever. I would rather you say, what parts of the business do I love? And when you find out that thing, how can you build a business around it? So for, I'll just use myself as an example, I loved being a, an amazing craftsperson and being able to make a vision come to life. And I wanted to do that for the world's top brands, the Apples, the Nikes, um, you get it. And so over time, I was able to get hired by smaller and then larger and larger and larger companies such that I became known as the guy in my space and say outdoor sports, action photography, who when the stakes were really high, you called me to come in and make some amazing vision, usually with a large budget and some in a unique place with you know, interesting people to make this advertising campaign come to life in a way that an advertising agency or the brand or those two had come together to make that. Now, technically that is not scale, but that, I was in that camp, I think number of the four that I listed, number three, where you can just charge very, very high prices for the work and you don't have to have like 500 clients to have a successful year. You could have 10 or 15 or 20, 20 big gigs or 30 big gigs and make a enormous sum of money. And the cool thing about that is I think if you, if you plan and do that well, um, again, this is just my, my particular bias, if you enjoy sort of hunting the particular picture and doing something amazing with a bunch of people where you're committed and doing a thing, I love that. It's like the, the journey, the hunter, the story, the narrative, all that, I love it. For me, processes like taking stock photography pictures and like think of what, what is, the, girl with pencil, girl with pencil in white shirt, girl with pencil in black shirt, tall girl with uh, brown hair and graduation cap, or, you know, all these, um, just like a volume process where you're checking off, do I have that picture, do I have that picture, etc. I hate that. To me, that is, 
that's the commodification or commoditization of a product that I loved, so I didn't like it conceptually. That's not to say I didn't participate in it. I did use some agencies, sometimes under my name, sometimes not, to license my pictures, but they were the thirds and fours and the extras that I had rights to and wasn't going to do anything with it. They were gonna go in the garbage or I, I licensed them out. So you can do both of these things at the same time. I think that's kind of an interesting deal. And if you look at any, excuse me, contemporary photographer who's a total badass right now, they will by and large have many pieces to their business. So I, I, I realize I'm opening a bigger can of worms than you asked, but I think this is where the true value comes into you asking a question and the rest of you folks who are not Fritz, who are listening, you're going like, oh damn. And this applies to photographers, designers, filmmakers, um, just freelancers in general, I think. So have different pieces of your business make different kinds of money for you. Some passive income, like stock photography sales, I'm just dropping everything. Um, and some very, very active, that high touch, high dollar, um, that, you know, the custom ad campaign stuff that I was talking about earlier. A lot of people on the side teach. Uh, for me, you know, my community turned into, in part, um, blossomed and grew Creative Live, which is a worldwide education platform that you know about where we've now got 10 million students on that platform. So, like, Conceptually, you can be involved in lots of different things and have different sorts of income coming into one photography or fill-in-the-blank uh, freelance business. That's what I think you should do. I think you should, you should focus most of the business on the thing that you care deeply about, uh, charge your premium, be a premium product for that, and then have some ancillary things on the side that are fun and interesting. And again, don't do shits that you don't love. Um, because you can get sucked into that, and especially if it pays well, but you don't love it, that's the, a quick, quick road to a slow death. Just think about that one for a second. <laughs> um, okay, well, Fritz, I hope that answers your question. Uh, I think it's a popular question, especially as freelancers, we're trying to make money whatever we can, in whatever way we can. You can also sell prints, fine art. You can just see, you can just build this robust, it's like a solar system with a bunch of different um, planets going around you as the primary creator. That's not to say you can't do it all the other ways, the other ways I was talking about, but I like that. So, there you go, Fritz. Hello, this is Brendan. Hey, Brendan, it's Chase Jarvis. How are you? I'm very well. How are you doing, Chase? I'm good. Where are you in the world right now? I'm in uh, Eugene, Oregon. Eugene, Oregon. Oregon, as they say, if you don't live in Oregon. Yeah. Some, some say. <laughs> awesome. Well, um, welcome to the show. I appreciate you calling in. Um, what's your story? What's, I, I hear you got a question lined up for me. What's, how can I help? I do have a, I do have a question for you that I think could, um, benefit a lot of, uh, creatives, whether it's starting out or mid career. And, uh, I'm a freelance journalist and, and a podcaster. Oh, and cool. uh, my question is, um, like, say you're starting out or mid career, like how do you process or deal with those inherent feelings of jealousy? When they creep, when you look at your peers, that inherently kind of creep in. Like, how do you process that? Oh, all right. Well, you're right in the fact that this is this. You're not alone in this feeling. <laughs> um, I I hate this feeling. I, if I could do anything to make it go away, I would. Um, <clears throat> I'll say. Uh, and, and, but here's. I'm going to give you a couple different couple different thoughts around it, and you'll have to sort of make an answer that suits you and your personality type. But for me, you have to first remember that what you're seeing in other people's worlds 
is if you're, you're tracking them via social, probably, uh, and, and maybe there are some physical people that you get together with every once in a while, but anytime you can take those feelings of jealousy or anger or frustration and channel them into joy, it's like it has to do with attitude. It's like, how are you feeling about yourself? That's, like, that's why self-love, self-care, taking care of yourself, feeling like strength and positivity, those, there's a whole set of mental health exercises that I feel like everyone should, should take into account. And that's why I prescribe things like meditation and getting exercise and eating well. Because when you're on that, tra uh, on that train, uh, it, it gives you a lot more confidence and to be able to, be, to celebrate success in anybody. If, you're, if there's this constant jealousy, which, hey, it's, it's a reality because we're competing. There's only so much work out there and there's more people than work, which uh, that you could call that into question. But... Um, I understand where it comes from. So my first order of prescription is take care of yourself and if you can just in your own psychology shift, be in a positive state such that you can find joy and success for others in their success. I think it does another, there's a byproduct if you can channel that which is it will in turn signal confidence A to yourself and B to other people if you can enjoy the successes of others, especially really overtly. Just like, man, that's so cool. You, you know, ask questions, learn something from the success of others. Um, you know, that's especially right. in this sort of face-to-face -face environment. And then there's the social one where maybe you're looking at, at, you know, someone who you respect and admire their work, you're seeing it on social, and it's just like they're going all over the place, killing it with their work. And, you can for a second realize that how do you look at your social feed? You curate the hell out of that. And you're, you're only putting, or by and large, people generally put forward things that paint them in a very positive light. So what you're doing and what culture does at large, which I hate, is you're comparing your real life day to day because you know that, the, that you, know, you missed your rent payment and you know that your friend's pissed and you know that you broke your camera. And, but if you take a picture that shows shiny, shiny happy you and you put it on your Instagram feed with the most cool job you've ever had, that the world is not seeing the things that, are, that you're struggling with. So you need to remember at all times, and I realize this is hard, but you asked how to get through it. I didn't say it was gonna be easy, but that your real life, do not compare real life with other people's highlight reel because that's what social feeds right. are. It's other people's highlight reel. And if you can get that into your psychology, then it, it allows you to go back to point one that I meant, which is be super happy and excited about other people's success. Let's say you're following somebody on Instagram and when you finally meet them at a trade show or whatever, you see them at a local artist meetup, you can say, oh my God, I, I saw that you're killing it with XYZ. That's so cool, I'm really stoked for you. Then. Like that, that person is like, oh my God, this person is not jealous and, and, and shoegazing. They're pumped for me, which is going to give that person confidence. And you're also gonna, then going to be seen as a beacon of light and, uh, and enthusiasm for the industry and for other people, which all that karma, that adds up over time. And people want to work with, they want to be around people who are positive. There's, there, you have right. to be, like if you're an artist and you're a shithead to work with, I don't care if you're the most talented person in the world, you're not gonna get calls because it's, I don't know, you know, you, you mentioned that you're a, a, a podcaster. Someone's gonna sit with you for an hour or two hours and if you're a real dick, 
then they don't enjoy sitting with you. So how can you project the positivity even in a world where you might be feeling jealous? To me, when you do these exercises that I'm suggesting, you're gonna, it's gonna flip a switch in you and you're gonna feel positive. It's gonna inspire confidence in your own work and then other people are gonna see that and draft off it and then you can become a leader rather than one of those shoegazing, pissed off followers because there's, there's nothing worse. So how does that sound? Right. It, it, to, you, to your point, I turned a lot of my jealousy and those ne- that negative energy essentially into uh, a podcast where I interview people within my genre, which is like creative nonfiction. So I was yep. like, you know what, let, let me redirect this and then promote the people that I admire most and maybe break that down and digest what they do so it can help others. And also, like, like you were saying, like to not to not be a jerk, to be that beacon yeah. of light and to actually turn that negative energy and, and redirect it and maybe help some people out and learn a few things in the process. Yeah, so you're, you, you can't see me right now. You're, uh, you're audio only. I'm looking, just for your benefit, I'm looking into the camera right now and I'm saying, if you take anything away from that, did you hear what he just said, folks at home? Like, that mentality... The difference between the best golf, I don't know why I use golf all the time, but the difference, I don't love golf either. So the difference between the best golfer in the PGA and the number 300, I think there's 300 people in the PGA, is its mentality. It's the physicality, there's like the difference in skill is so small. It's all a mental game. And if you can sort of tank what you think is a weakness or somewhere where you're unsure and you put it out there, and then what you've done in, in the making of that, I mean, you created an entire podcast around interviewing people that you're jealous of. Like, that, is, that, is, that creates power for you. That's like taking your power. Power is not, it's, it's just out there. You need to claim it and own it. And in doing so, it, you, you also, you do all, you get all the other byproducts that we've already talked about. Now, there's one other thing that I want to prescribe, and it is a... It's a takeaway from a friend of mine named Marie Forleo. If you don't know her work, you should. She's awesome. She was in my 30 Days of Genius series here on Creative Live. Um, incredible, uh, inspiring human, thought leader, author. She, she's just incredible. So what Marie has this little anecdote called create before you consume. And what she means by mm-hmm. that and what I mean is that if you get up and you go to work and you make something that, you know, you may not be proud of it, but if you make something, you put in the effort and then you consume other people's feeds, you, you, can, you can rest assured that you're making progress because making is progress. The act of doing something instead of nothing, the act of getting your ass out of bed, being productive, in your case, you know, writing a story, recording some podcasts, and then consume the feeds of the people that you admire, then you can use that as fuel rather than something that kicks you in the shins before you even get started. So I just hold on to that, that, that concept of create before you consume. Um, and, then, and then the last sort of subtext there is uh, also from Marie. She calls it compare schlager, which is if you've mm-hmm. ever had the liquor gold schlager, it's like the worst liquor you can possibly have. And, and she, she talks about comparing others to yourself is just, it's, uh, it's not great. The, uh, I, I thought of another thing while I'm here ranting, and that is um, I've got a blog post around why you should compare yourself to others. You know, why it's, why it's great to compare yourselves to others, but it, there's a very specific, there's a twist in that blog post. So I want you to go check that out if you can. And the net net is you should look to people who are doing shit that you love and you should compare your work objectively to that. And you, you know that that's where you need to be for greatness. 
but don't compare where you are on that path or your worth as a human. You know, what I want to close with with you is you are valuable, you matter, you're important, you are loved, you're like people give a shit about what you say and do, and the more you enact these behaviors that we're talking about and the more you're a beacon, a bright, shiny, like enthusiastic person on the planet, the better it is for everybody around you. So don't wait to tomorrow or don't wait for some sort of justification of self-worth to get started. You matter right now and more than anything, I just want you to get back to work. Well, fantastic. Well, Chase, thank you. Uh, thank you so much for taking my question and then, uh, and just giving such a beautiful and thoughtful answer and, and uh, just thanks for everything you do and keep, keep thriving and keep doing what you do. Um, thanks so much. It brings me a ton of joy. I'm glad you get a little bit of value. I hope our paths cross face to face. You can remind me when we do meet face to face about this call and we'll, we'll high five. Fantastic. Well, th thanks again and, uh, and take good care. Of course. Thanks for being on the show, man. Appreciate it. Chase, what's up? It's Eric. What's up, Eric? Uh, here's the scenario. Uh, I have a client that I shot a small commercial shoot for last year, and really well. they love photos. Um, I'm going back again and shooting for them again this year, doing roughly the same type of shoot, adding a couple of small things, but uh, I think last year I didn't quite charge enough based on what I ended up doing in post. So I'm trying to up the price a little bit. What are ways right. to kind of get them I got to it. talk value to them? Sweet. Eric, thank you for your question. It's a good one. I think you are not alone. I know that that's so many people, this is a very popular question that I've answered in a lot of other places. I love that it's the first question, the first episode, because it has to do with making a living and a life that is making money as a creative. And we gotta, we gotta make that no longer a dirty word or a dirty thought. So Eric, I hear you, you, you you've, Here's what it sounds like. I, I'm, gonna, I'm gonna make a couple of assumptions because that's what I have to do since you're not here in person that you just gave them a flat fee, you did some work, and so it's all kind of jumbled into a thing. It's a price. And they've come back to you and say, I want another photo shoot. And you price it as a photo shoot for $1,000. Here's what you have to do. You have to, well, there's, I could talk about a lot of things. I'm gonna, I'll start with first thing first, which is detail or separate out the cost of the production the cost of your creative fees and the cost of the post-production as different pieces of the puzzle. That way, if someone says, you know, hey, a photo shoot isn't a photo shoot isn't a photo shoot. That's like if someone says, I want to build you a house, or if someone asks, can you build me a house, there, there can be a one-bedroom, 200-square-foot house, or there can be a 50-bedroom, you know, $500,000 million bazillion mansion. And you have to find a way of differentiating those things. So first and foremost, what is it? What is the production? What are the production parameters? And as those things grow, the price scales accordingly. Now, for you as a creative, I don't. I don't recommend you just be a time thing, like my day rate is or my hourly rate is, because that allow that undermines your ability to charge high prices later on. So I would say my creative fee is X, and that there's all kinds of like years of practice and knowledge and skill that go into that creative fee. And then, like, I'm just hearing what you, you asked about post-production. Like, there's more post-production. I spent too much time in post-production. Make post-production scalable. 
as in if they want to make changes, changes cost more money. And you need to be upfront about that. Changes in scope will, will, will incur changes in fees. Now, that's, I think that is a great answer in and of itself, but I, I, there's something else that's going on, which is this try and expand clients the, 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 the amount you're able to charge is as you do more, as you expand services, for example, you, I think you said you had a photo shoot. If, if you can go to them and say, hey, if you'd like to add video, I can you know, bring in my second assistant who's a videographer and he can shoot over my shoulder or whatever. That's adding services to the same client. Now, here's, that's, I think that's another huge win for you. Chalk that up. That's a way to get more out of the same shoot. Um, thing three, which is I think maybe the most critical, maybe I should have started with this one, but I didn't. So, uh, and I've made videos about this before, but since uh, we're on the topic, I'm going to give it to you. Soup. I'm going to give it to you real straight, my friend. Uh, it is this: you are never going to take a client that's a fifty-dollar client and turn them into a five-thousand-dollar client or a fifty-thousand-dollar client. It just doesn't happen. And there's this belief that we have someone like, oh my God, I can look at. Once you become the $500 photographer, and people will fight me on this, I'm right. I'm right. Ignore any comment that says, no, no, I made all these clients go from a $500 client to a $50,000 client. You didn't. Or you're the, you're the needle in the haystack. It's not a good business practice. Once someone pays you $500, you're never going to be the $50,000 photographer. Because if they $50,000, are you going to go to the person who did it for $500? You know how many times that happens to me? Zero. Well, first of all, I would never do things for $500. But when you're starting out, like I, I get the temptation to believe that you can change them. But what you need to be doing is like, I need to go get a different client because trying to spend the time to make that, make something that never happens, happens, that's a waste. So go get different clients. And when you walk in the door there, you can be the $5,000 or the $10,000 photographer or uh, video, yeah, photographer. This is very critical. If you want more detail on this, you can look it up, uh, charge, you know, whatever. You know how to search on the internet. All right, that about wraps it up. But uh, hey, before you bounce, two quick things. Um, actually, I'm going to go three quick things. Thing one, A, thank you so much for being a part of this community. And I'm not quite sure how you, you landed on this podcast. It doesn't matter to me. The fact that we're all in this together and that we're able to have a conversation is awesome. I feel uh, honored to be in your ears right now and that uh, you've paid attention to what I've been doing, what Creative Live has been doing for some time, and whether it's been a day or 10 years, I just want to say thank you. It's also really important to know on the backside of that that I, I do a lot of responding to comments. So hit me up, on, you know, direct message me on, on Instagram or Twitter or at me. I try and respond as much as possible. So let's have a conversation that transcends me just being in your ears here. Let's try and do it some, somewhere out there in, on the internet land. That's thing one. Thing two, again, I'm not quite sure what channels you pay attention to me and my work, but please go check out. I'm at Chase Jarvis or slash Chase Jarvis or whatever on all the platforms. And it's really important to me. Also, if you wouldn't mind checking out Creative Live, it's something that not only myself, but 120 other committed hardcore badass people come to work every day uh, to build the place where creators and entrepreneurs learn. So check that out there, just slash Creative Live or at Creative Live all over out there on the internet. All right, until again, uh, probably tomorrow, I hope I'll hear you. I'll be in your ears maybe tomorrow, and I'll look for your comments on the internets. Bye.